everyone, and welcome back. It's Cork Stats NFL Live here on Fantasy Football Picks and Bets on the Mayo Media Net, brought to you by Jock Market, the daily fantasy app where we actually make money, which is kind of a novel idea right now. The proof is in the pudding. If you haven't seen it, sign up. Use the code MMN if you download Jock Market. I took a $20 free promo. It's now up over 3K. I think that's like 15,000% for all you math majors out there. And again, they don't have a jackpot. So it's not like I won one day and that floats at all. You got to really kind of make percentage gains every single day. We've really gotten rewarded for this kind of laser-focused analysis and all that other stuff that we do. Speaking of which, man, like if I'm your favorite analyst, this is your favorite analyst's favorite analyst it's yahoo's don del don triple d what's going on my man what's up big john stud happy to finally uh, meet you and uh thanks for having me on i'm excited to talk some contrarian fantasy sports with you today yeah this it's so funny when you know someone like yourself has heard of my work i i'm really hired off the street and I've just been known for being a very hard worker. I'm very focused. And I know that, you know, especially covering baseball, you better be. It's a lot of data. It happens all the time. It will beat you up. You will lose. And you can't allow that to affect your work. And it's really always kind of flattering when, you know, you meet somebody like yourself who's really cut their teeth in this industry and has heard of me, right? You probably heard me because I'm always yelling. But if you've heard of me, that's cool. Sorry, I was in the flex draft. I just wanted to get into some industry stuff really quick. Um, your boys at Yahoo had mentioned it. I have a funny story, but I just want to ask you about that first. Have you done any of these live drafts and participated in them? And what would you say to the people out there that are interested in content creation and networking? Don't, I get a lot of that, right? As much of the sports questions I get, I get a lot of people have ideas and want to cut in. So like I always promote this third dimension participation. What would you say about that? These kind of industry drafts and stuff. Oh yeah, 100%. It's been a while. I did one back in the day in Vegas, a now defunct company that ended up going bankrupt after I actually finished top five overall, but we don't need to talk about that. But um, I still get the bankruptcy uh, e uh, mails uh, every now and then, uh, once about once a year. But NFBC is not that company. And I just went and I did the live draft for baseball in March. And it was fun. The first time I'd done that with the company. And, you know, um, networking is important. And I'm, I'm frankly not that great at it. I'm, I'm, I'm not the, the best at Twitter going back and forth with people, but in person, it forces you to. Um, so absolutely, yes. I could not recommend it enough. Plus just the live draft. All You should see all the, there's like, I think there was 15 or so drafts going at the same time in these gigantic rooms and these in Vegas. And you can't beat it. I mean, the, the, the live in-person draft. I mean, you know, your buddies at home. I mean, how much better is it when you were doing your drafts with your buddies in high school than when you get older and you have to do it online? I mean, in-person is, is we're doing this to, to have fun and it's, it's the best. I just did the Scott Fishbowl. I went to San Francisco, did that as well. Didn't know only, only Howard Bender and basically didn't know anyone else. And yeah, met a lot of people in the industry and outside the industry too. I mean, it's the same thing. Yeah. We're, all, we're all playing the same silly game. And so absolutely, I could not recommend going and doing it in person enough. Yeah, it was a huge boost for, I don't know, to say my confidence, which is funny and not something people think, you know, I have an issue with. But I can be a bit intense. I could be a bit much. And, you know, sometimes I think maybe I'm better off behind the computer screen, not up front, because I am like this all the time. But I met a couple of your guys, man, just incredible men and women at that flex traffic. And one more hat tip to Jake Seeley, again, for kind of welcoming me into this. You know, I really... I'm flattered to be considered a part of this thing, even if I'm batting ninth or I'm the fifth wide out, you know, in the prevent package, which is, which is fine. I'm going to keep working at it, right? Maybe the water boy gets on the field. Don't, enough of that. 
Let's do more of this. So I did want to say hat to to my man, Andy Behrens, your Yahoo guy, who I met. And I was listening to your podcast. It's such a good laugh. Because if you start, his favorite part of the flex draft was a cab ride he shared with one John Daigle, who I also had the pleasure to meet. I confused him with Dangle. I bought him a drink, said any friend of Chris Meany's a friend of mine, continued to buy him drinks, only to find out they had never really met. Dangle is too polite to say that. But man, me and him kicked it all day. But I met Andy Barron's one. He's a goat. Two, shame on me for not participating in fantasy football to enhance my betting work the way that I did for baseball, right? I always felt that the science was in fantasy and it wasn't enough of the science in betting. And you kind of have to wear both those hats to be really good at it. I lost vision of the fantasy football side because I really wasn't playing season long, not realizing that gentlemen like yourself and Andy were really pushing stuff to the fore. Anyway, I was in that cab ride with my mouth hanging open. Daigle, and so Daigle is doing like this decimal point math lecture as Andy, who has, like myself, I know I'm not supposed to be too arrogant, but I know I'm a very fast processor, right? I talk fast. I, Andy is as fast as me. Like he can run with me and spit it back. And I think me and Andy did about six conversations in like two and a half minutes. So hat tip to all those guys for welcoming us. All right, let's get into it. Let's make some people, man. Now that we said something nice, right? Now let's 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 stir the pot a little bit, which is something that you do again real yeah, quick for me. He conspicuously go, go. left you out though when he talked about it on the pod. You know, Dago was the <laughs> highlight of my trip, but I, I didn't find out that you were in the car until just now too. So yeah, Andy, <laughs> uh, he's a goat, but he's also, you know, kind of rude. Um, I'm biting back the laughter because I just figured he didn't want to say, and some other guy, I'm sure Andy met a million people. He was so cool, but that really, really was funny. I was also a little upset. The entire thing revolved around this jersey. For the for the video people, you can see I have a Lev Bell jersey on. It's part of my collection of ironic. I have ironic Jets jerseys, so I have... Uh, you know, Sanchez, I've got a Brett Favre, I have all the class, right? You have to have the classics because for me, it'd, it'd be silly to kind of like unironically try and wear jet stars. Look, it's ridiculous. So whatever. I'll tell you someone wants to buy me an Altoon jersey, right? I'm going to go. I'm going to go the other way. Anyway, Andy was great. Those guys are all really, really great. And Jamie Eisenberg in particular with CBS was one of the true gentlemen I've met in a very long time. He was very, very cool. Like almost too cool, right? People are almost yeah, too I'm nice. I'm jealous. I got to get out there next year. Celie's asked me about it. I'm always, hey, tell me when you come to the West Coast. But uh, I have friends in New York anyway. I need to go out and visit. So I, I'd oh. love to do that. Well, days. now that I've kind of, I'm I'm in, and now you can't uninvite me, make sure you're coming to that one. We're going to get down and dirty, especially now that I'm comfortable. I'm going to have stuff set up. Me and Jake are going to be rock and rolling. All right, let's, come on, let's do it. some football stuff. What people want to do. My very first question generally for analysts is something I wonder about myself is how do you consume Content for the NFL. I mean, it happens very fast. You can watch Red Zone. I, I was mentioning that in the notes because I find sometimes I fall into the Red Zone watching. So how do you consume? Is it recreational? Is it professional? Do you have to combine the two or what? I'm not really a Red Zone guy, actually. So every Sunday morning, right when the games start, I sit right in front of my big TV and put the game mix channel on. So eight, eight games on at once. I get very frustrated when they're nine or ten and you can't choose that. Yeah. It's crazy. You spend so much money direct TV and you can't can't choose which ones and they often choose wrongly but um i'm a game mix guy i used to go to, to bars and that's you know that works as well if you can find one with a, a bunch of tvs but i'm really old school now I sit with my family and I, you know the kids usually go in the other room my wife is super in to sports as well so she's right there with me and um so i watch the game mix eight, eight screens at once and very old school actually take a, a, a 
take notes while watching the games with a pen and paper. And I don't even me mess with, with at all computer screen. My wife will send me uh, pertinent uh, tweets throughout the day. So I'll, I'll, before I start my writing process, I'll go through all, all interesting stats and tweets that my, my wife will have in my email box for me and obviously tell me at the time. Then I'll go over my notes when I write a recap column every Sunday night. So I'm watching every game as much as I can all at once on this Game Mix channel and DirecTV. It's going to be really interesting now what, what, what company is going to take over and stream. And I hope it's uh, I'd be great if it's better, but I worry, you know, streaming, how, how smooth that's going to be. But anyway, so I'm watching DirecTV Game Mix, eight, eight games at once, and then the afternoon games, you know, it's better when they split it more evenly. Um, and, and, and taking notes on, on a paper old school and then, and then writing a column uh, Sunday night. Uh, whoever has been listening to this show already, Dalton and I a bit simpatico, both of us baseball guys, both of us spreadsheet guys, what do you notice when you get to football? You really have to see it, and you have to take notes dalton excellent excellent stuff people we did not prep this one i told the story just briefly i'm not a professional scout nor do i pretend to be i have however i, I do have close friends that were in football coaching high school coaches i was always a big analytical guy even before baseball i was i was playing fantasy football at a high level and i would be asking those same questions you know what are we looking for what are you looking for like what jumps off the page and it would just be those kind of wow factors. I think companies like PFF, for all the flack they take, I think a lot of it is unfair because I think they've done a very good job trying to kind of quantify these subjective things, namely with like big time throws, turnover worthy plays, although those their terms, not mine. But those are the things that I know I'm looking for. Creative blitz packages, if lines are collapsing, and then if like mistakes are made, right? Like if, maybe if a penalty kind of throws stuff off. How, how about you, Dalton? What kind of stuff are you looking for? Like what makes the notepad? So first of all, circling back, baseball is just 100% stats. Like it's just a series you know, of one-on-one -on -one matchups. And, yeah. and that's, I don't need to watch the games. I mean, I, in fact, I could see that screwing people up trying to be a baseball scout. The small counter to that is sometimes you're watching a game and you see a pitcher getting squeezed by an ump or, or yeah. a clear error ruled mm. non-error and there's six Ernie's that should have been zero. Like that's mm -hmm. whatever, that's the exception. I get that happens too, but... <clears throat> For the most part, baseball, I'm just 100% looking at stats. Right. And football is a mixture of both. Don't get me wrong. I'm still very much a stat guy with yeah. football. And and I also wouldn't consider myself a film guy, like checking the all 22. It's very subjective. So I, I don't want to, you know, I'm not Christopher Harris. He basically does all his fantasy rankings on on just watching. Wow. And he's adamantly against stats. I'm, I'm more of a combination of the two, but definitely rely on others as far as like film. I'm looking at just different things because football – there's it's more guessing involved. There's coaching behavior, um, identifying outside factors, like how does a quarterback perform versus zone versus man coverage, and how frequently is this upcoming opponent scheme that way? Weather. Um, so there's this more guessing and projecting involved in a more subjective sport as football because there's so many moving parts, whereas baseball is just a series of one-on-one -on -one matchups. Are you sometimes noting things to go back and watch? Because if you're looking at six or eight games at once, it could be difficult to obviously mark who's playing well against yeah. what. So is that what it is? And then you're going to go back yeah. and look at highlights and stuff. So yeah, it could be. Yeah, it could be more. Look more specifically at this play, or why did the coach do call it here? Or right. just as simple as make a highlight. I want to use that was a sick play. I want to link to the highlight. Something stupid is that for my column that I don't forget. I have a bad memory, so I'm just basically like uh, my my guy Larry David. You know, he remembers a joke. He writes it down. Maybe I stole it from him. He carries around a notepad with him 24/7. So I don't want to rely on my memory. So no matter how dumb it is, I just want to want to take a note. But it could be from from anything as you just suggested to something as silly is just make sure you write you know link to that highlight
I, I, again, I'm not sure if you and I just became best friends. That is something I have subscribed to also for an extremely, extremely long time. Dalton, that stuff is no joke. I have quite literally lost the great idea. You know, you, you, you think of something so important and you figure you just can't, it could never, you could right. never lose this thing. And it happens. Yeah. And and I have, it's funny, I have notes. I have a sport notepad. I have a joke notepad. I just have a thought notepad. And a lot of the ideas and theories and stuff that I've had, the moving averages moniker, waka, waka, waka. Oh, he said it. He said the thing. He said the thing. But that stuff was just something that determined like that. I was sitting around and I do a lot of stock work. I was an electrician by trade a long time ago, but they have inherent unemployment. So a lot of those guys, listen, maybe we make a big money, man. You know, I cracked 200K a couple of times. A lot of those guys, if you're out of work for six months, they go on a boat and put their feet up. I mean, I was more like, man, especially you know you're going to get old. How long could you do it? I was always into making money. Like, those are my hobbies. So you get into trading and everything. You start to think about the theory of indicators, statistics, how to apply them. These are things that we talk about today. And I thought, wow, with the mountain of information like baseball has, and this perspective that I have is stock trading, I wonder if I could kind of, Combine the two, like not say conflate them, but just kind of combine the two. And that seemed to have worked. The reason it does work, I believe, is the amount of data, like you mentioned. The reason I don't think it works for football is because of the lack of that data and its vulnerability to extenuating circumstances. Now, you covered a bit. When I asked your percentage data versus film, I wasn't looking for a number. You did a great job with that. But now we're going to get into like, the, the new stats, right? So now everyone wants more. Everyone wants to not only be the first to have it, they want to be the first to quote it and be the first to be right on someone for it. But I know firsthand, Dalton, in baseball, we went through nearly a decade of misuse with Savant. The smartest people in the industry, mind you, it's not an intelligence thing. And I pushed up against all the smartest guys, Russell Carlton and Cardi and all these really guys. Guys are orders of magnitude smarter than me. In football now, we've had this upset, the new inception of, what are you over to call it? Next gen advanced statistics just right off the top do you think they've advanced our understanding and i would then i would say a bit more do you think more is necessarily more first of all it's a great point yeah babbitt used to be seen as gospel you know but um, yeah i remember just intuitively telling my buddies uh, who were really smart just like that just does not make sense and i refuse to believe right, that i'm like you. i'm telling you the studies have been done i'm telling you but yeah ba uh, batting average and balls in play is definitely something that was once taken as gospel and is now pretty much considered you know, there's way more context you have to take it in, in, yep. in, 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 into that. So I was enamored with CPOE or CPAE, completion percentage above expectation, when I first discovered it a couple years ago and pretty much took it as gospel, like I'm saying you shouldn't do. And, and, and it suggested Tom Brady was done his final year in New England. And I mean, if you looked even closer at it, the final eight weeks, it wasn't just bad. It suggested it was like a magnitude of one of the worst two-week stretches and since the stat had come out. So I even wrote a column and – and, and even tweeted out, put a fork in Brady, he's done. And, and uh, he went to Tampa Bay and, you know, freezing cold takes, picked it up, and the rest is history. It was, it was the worst thing I've written. I mean, Brady. I mean, <laughs> doubting Brady. Um, and, and so that was me falling for this stat and just, just – and, and I've since realized that it's team context matters a ton in that stat, and it was more indicative of the Patriots receivers being totally toast and the scheme they were running. It was never, No one was open, too. So – uh, I mean, stats are only as good as, as the person applying them, and I completely badly misapplied there. Um, I do think for the most part, not just because of getting burned there, the next-gen stats are a great step in the right direction, but I take them with a giant grain of salt. I mean, 
you just looked at like Barkley's numbers last year. They're going to look horrible, but he played through a badly sprained fluke ankle the whole second or the whole, almost the most of the, the, the end of the, the whole, the majority of the season. So that's not going to be indicative of how is he could play this year. I remember specifically PFF graded Sam Darnold one week as their best quarterback. And it was just, it was the, the box score looked like laughable, almost like it was uh, the onion that, 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 that ranked in that high. So it's, it's certainly not perfect. And we're all learning as we go. I'm not sure if that was the right answer you're looking for, but man, I've fallen guilty to it myself, misapplying these stats. And I think we're all learning how to use them in football, man. This is just the, it's the wild West still when it comes to trying to, to articulate. So I bet it's going to be cool with all the, you know, the, that we can see exactly how fast the ball carrier is the miles per hour. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's some really cool stuff out there, but uh, we're all still learning how to, how to properly apply it. Yeah. Well, it's not so much about answering right or wrong when I, I know I gravitate to somebody like you because Dalton, a lot of the value you provide is in your transparency in the process. Like you, you, you're quite literally clear. Where you let us see it all, you talk through it, and with the pitfalls. So like, that's exactly what I was looking for. I think here's here's the thing I was wanted to circle for everyone out there. Because, again, I, sometimes I come off as kind of professorial, which is good. Then sometimes I feel like I come off as I'm lecturing, and that's not so good. These are mistakes I've made. right? So a lot of the gambling tips I gave, I've blown up $50,000 accounts. Like, I'm not proud of this, but I could show you how to get to zero because I've done it. You know, and then I could show you how to reset and build back up. So, again, fortitude, understanding, kind of like all these things that you need. Gorilla Monsoon, you say the intestinal fortitude. You know, you got to dig deep. But to these advanced stats, the one that you mentioned, I never heard of. The first thing I was thinking now with the mistakes I've made, Dolan, is how do you figure that out? Because once you know, you have to know what these stats comprise. If I think that's my contribution to this conversation is I don't create these stats. I try my best to understand them and apply them, but I have noticed when I try and figure out what goes into them, that gives me the ability to explain them. And I think they say, when you have the ability to explain it, you probably understand it. We could go to baseball quickly. You mentioned BABIP. I think about regressing fly balls. Like not all fly balls are created equal. If you're going to cast a wide net, yes, you're more likely than not going to be right regressing things to the mean. But that doesn't mean that that's the process to get the accurate number that we're looking for because we need to be a bit more precise i feel and i think that's part of where the football one goes football i think the most guilt again to bring in baseball double counting i think gets people in a lot of trouble in baseball it has to do with like hitting the ball hard right so he has a high hard hit rate and a great battle rate and those things are the same right those are the same so we want to be careful using the same descriptor to build up our indication strength Right. So would you would you agree with that? At least kind of understand it goes when you mentioned expected. I don't know where expected fantasy points come from. Baseball, we have exit velocity and stuff like that. Football, if it's opportunity based, that I could sink my teeth into. But right, would you would you agree it's about definitions before I'll yeah, yeah, and you bring a great point that it's it would be great ideal to go behind the scenes and see how this, you know, how they come up with the stats. And in a lot of this football stuff, we have no idea how, yeah. how the sausage, sausage is made. I mean, we, we don't know behind it. So you're just kind of relying on them. And I'm sure they're all trying their best or whatever. But I mean, they, they might even be farming out of law, a lot of people watching 
film that is just beyond subjective some of the conclusions they could come to so yeah we don't even know the the secret sauce behind a lot of the stats in football whereas at least baseball is a little bit more clarity of how they come up with that you know you can see the balls hit you know at x x angle at x miles per hour that qualifies as this stat you know football is not like that it's we you know we thought the player should be blocking this way but you don't even know that the coaching staff might have the player might have ran the wrong way so so much so very different baseball and football so they're they're both equally fun to try to figure out you know the answer key but they're very different i i love the dichotomy of it and i feel like sometimes people are a little disappointed in that you know that i'm i'm able to kind of hit the paddle shifter and and change lanes so quickly but i feel like you have to do that you know i think people expect my football work to be a mountain of spreadsheets while my work is certainly data backed it's more theoretically based it's more optimizing the contextual environment you know we hear guys on yahoo like scotty we'll talk about the ecosystem you know i think that's a very good that's a very good descriptor of it because it's not a granular description right where it's a macro description but i think that's what feeds you know these things all right so we did stats that you don't like how about the stuff that you do like like what do you need right what do you dalton del don you know what do you need to sink your teeth into? Like, is there anything that you couldn't do without? Like, what must the stat sheet have? One thing I'd say is, I'll circle back. I would say that's a little, uh, it's not so much stats. I just wanted to point out that I, I've learned that I've, I've kind of shied away from an analysis fantasy football is wide receiver and cornerback matchups. I, I want to say too, is I, I used to, I, I do write a weekly matchup called sit, start column. Uh, every week comes out on Friday mornings. And I've veered away from, I mean, some, some, kind of inevitably you, you have to talk about but for the most part there's too much noise in in projected wide receiver cornerback matchups for to really super pay attention to and sometimes you can use that to your advantage in, in dfs because people will, will will the roster or ownership will be too high just based on a matchup for receivers so just want to point that out so favorite stats for for football is it's kind of Kind of boring. No, YPA for, for quarterback is is the simplest one that still gets underrated. There'll be quarterbacks with very good YPA, and 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 it's just so obvious it, it projects for touchdown production in the future, and people tend to, to ignore or or don't pay attention to it. Like it's you really don't need more than YPA for quarterback, and then targets and target share for for receivers. And when you're looking at like Derek Cardi's uh, the blitz projections, you can tell what really matters is just opportunity in football man you just look at the targets and 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 who is projected to 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 get that the volume that that is really that's it and then i would say one thing i've kind of looked more into that's becoming data out there pff has that i don't see written about as much as end zone targets uh josh allen attempted 65 passes in the end zone last year not any other quarterback threw more than 50 i mean gabe davis was top 10 in end zone targets and he was a part-time player i mean i really like his touchdown upside there that's for receivers too. dk metcalf perennially among the leaders in end zone targets because Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson and Brady are usually the two guys that are always throwing the most there and now enter Josh Allen. So, you know, Metcalf loses uh, Wilson. That's an, another one there. So you want to go really deeper one. I like to use this stat called Whopper because it's a, a fun name too, but it's weighted opportunity rating and it combines target share and air yards for receivers. Right. So uh, I really like Whopper when you're looking at, at tight ends and receivers. Uh, so yeah, those are my favorite stats. What? what? That's actually great stuff. I got put onto Whopper after I had done, well, incoming shameless self-promotion. I'm now writing at The Athletic. I'm doing some preseason stuff. Some of the baseball tools that I did, I like to compare projections to rankings. I mean, it's so funny, right? Everyone puts out projections. Everyone puts out rankings. Very rarely does anyone plot the two against each other to look for values. I did that for all the positions. 
my whole thing is opportunity, of course. And I came up with a triple slash that I've been using for football that I kind of used a pizza analogy, but it's a usage-based thing. So the triple slash was a target percentage, air percentage, and a dot. And my pizza analogy was, you know, the target percentage is going to tell you how many pieces of the pie you got. But that on its own is not enough. Air yards tells you how big of a slice you got. But without knowing the size of the pie, that's not enough. And a dot is really just a descriptive of how robust it really is, right? Are we talking about like a flat, kind of limpy street slice? Are we talking about this thing have like, you know, buffalo chicken, something delicious on it too? And when you play with these dials, air, target, and a dot, you're really able to do some really cool things as far as describing pass catchers. And I was just playing with those dials, and those three things really spoke to me very, very loudly. And I'll give you one of the spoilers, one of the players that popped up with the most elite usages. Because remember, again, the, a lot of the context that's missing in football, to what I feel like at least, is that we use season-long stats, the guy missed three games. The totals won't be there. Averages are, averages are being used against a total that that player did not participate in. Therefore, the data is dirty. And I tend to come to this conclusion a lot in football is the data is dirty, garbage in, garbage out. So I don't want to use it. You know, so, for example, when we were playing with, I think it was 20, 25, and 10, meaning 20, 20 target, 25 air, and 10 A dot, only 23 players in the entire league met that criteria. And a couple of the late ones, like Marvin Jones was on there. You get him super late. Devontae Parker was on there. You get him super late. Now, he kind of fails on some separation metrics. And that was the last one I wanted to get to because they could answer my question. Dorm Del Don. Here we have a big body receiver, archetype wide receiver one. Parker's always been that. He's also suffered from terrible, terrible quarterback play. And it's not really to knock Tua. I think their styles of play are not conducive, right? Tua is a more fluid Lead, he's going to lead you. Parker's looking for contested balls. Two is not really big. It, it, they don't really work together for me. However, Bill Belichick has been watching Devontae Parker play up close for quite a while and went and brought him in. The market seems to not care. The market is also labeled Mac Jones is boring. But my notebook, Dalton, if my Mac Jones notebook were a flip book, you'd be seeing a player that was sleeping by the end as a player that's sprinting because my notes were saying too tentative. Checking down unnecessarily, not looking for challenge throws to bypass the check down to go downfield. And by the end of the year, I was loving. I thought Mac Jones was the most improved quarterback in the league across the board. I'm seeing this marriage, Mac Jones, Devontae Parker, I'm getting them in double-digit rounds with what I feel like is a very good subjective back argument. The data not necessarily there. Go, Dalton. What do you think, man? Like, how's my application doing? What do you think? Uh, okay. Well, I'll circle back to, to Parker in a second to touch on a couple things. For one, Marvin Jones was up there in end zone targets last year. So just something to, to think about. Likes him. Lawrence, I, I, I at least uh, attempted a, a lot there for all his other failures. So you brought up the season stats are tough to look at just overall. You're right, because there's so many season within a season. We'll talk about DeAndre Swift and St. Brown later with the Lions. I want to point out Keenan Allen. Uh, last year, his targets per route dropped 
33% when Josh Palmer became the wide receiver three. And that's their plan this year is for Josh Palmer to be the wide receiver three. So don't look at Keenan Allen's overall numbers last year. Look at his numbers with the current situation and, and that's going to move forward too. So yeah, Parker's an interesting one. I mean, they, 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 they brought him in to play the Nikhil Harry role that they wanted to kill Harry to play. So, I mean, he's right there. It's a nice spot for him, but you look at Kendrick Bourne, he had some crazy yards per route run numbers. Myers had a lot of targets and there's that rookie that's uh, impressive too. And my, my guy, Matt Harmon would say that Parker is a poor separator. Reception perception yes. is not, not a fan. But in that situation, and I agree with you, Mac Jones, uh, man, I guess just a situation in New England with Joe Judge and Patricia, it might just be a nightmare. This is so much pessimism uh, this summer. But I was impressed with Mac Jones um, as a rookie year, and I think he's going to be a fine top 15 quarterback moving forward. So I could see it with Parker. It's not like he's going to cost you a lot. His ADP yeah. is, is relatively free. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking, because that one, right, the the surface stats, these more easier ones, the, the lower hanging fruit says Parker, the deeper dives say no. And people, again, I, I hate misframing. I, I really like to be very fundamentally honest with all of you. I believe Parker separation stats may have been the worst in the league. Quite literally, the bottom, he's in the bottom like 3% across the board. Now, again, I don't know how those things are measured, so I don't necessarily want to act. I know it's not good. I know it's not good, but I don't know if I want to be pushed off because of the price. Again, Dalton, you've always put all the ingredients together. Let me ask you one more advanced thing that I have questions with. Pace. Pace is something I really do care about. Giddy up matters. It's the reason I struggled to back the Green Bay Packers last year. They're molasses. And, you know, he's hyper-efficient. They use up every second on the play clock. And then he gets first downs, which he is good, but they're 11-yard first downs. And it's over and over and over, and they're very, very slow. So you look at pace of play stats. Here's where my issue has been. Now, how many times do we cut this before it matters or it stops mattering, I say? So seconds per play. I love that. Then we get into like neutral game scripts. Then we get into analysts. This is what I want you to take over is them having to kind of, I know it's not arbitrary, but it is in a way when they determine when is the game changed from a coach's point of view. Something you mentioned is different for all 30 coaches. I've seen the label of 10 points. I'm going to be honest. 10 points just don't do it for me, man. If, if an underdog is up 10 points on a favorite, I would not be looking for some kind of like, oh, this is a different game pace. No, they're going to keep their foot on the gas, not look to start running on the Chiefs. You know what I mean? So like, I talk to me about pace, its importance, and how you think we need to digest it because I really don't know how much I have to offer. I like this, this macro, but the more I zoom in, the smaller the sample, and then I, again, garbage in, garbage out. Go ahead. Uh, quickly with Parker, one way to beat uh, poor separation is a strong contested catch rate. So that's something to, to pay attention to. Oh, uh, yeah, pace, 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 I absolutely uh, pay, I use in my articles and I and I use in making my DFS matchups for sure. Um, but it's more of a just a tiebreaker type added thing because you're right. Okay. I, I'm not quite sure how much it, it ultimately matters. But I will say this. Uh, Establish the Run does a Pace article every week that's a must read. And they're on top of of everything what's what are the coaches doing recently and and it's a weekly matchup so i actually think it's very valuable setting your dfs lineup this etr has a weekly matchup talking just about pace and yeah i think it uh, on the i'll say it this way on the extremes it matters on the extremes it, it can absolutely affect a, a weekly matchup all right everybody gotta just stop really quick awesome lesson from triple d right there anytime we're using averages you gotta beware of the middle, not to be beating everyone to death with baseball analogies, but sometimes they're the easier ones to understand when you gotta be careful. Again, if your average is all the way to the top, 
and then extremes to the bottom, the average is going to land you in the middle, which is not what's happening. It's not a descriptor of the actual events. Outliers are much harder to bury with an average. So that'll do it for that part. All right, Dalton, let's get into some more football redraft stuff. I want to talk early round, but also just curious, you are a contrarian. You're my favorite contrarian. I have made the mistake of, and this one I have, all my friends will tell you, Zach, a mutual friend, he'll tell you, man, I wore such an L. You're known in baseball circles for having a very contrarian style in draft and holds. Before I really knew about that, I looked at it and scoffed, not knowing that not only had it won before, it will win again in the future. You know, so a little lesson for everybody. Don't don't be like that. Just don't be reactive. That was it's not unlike me, but it happens. If someone really bright is up to something, before you laugh, just ask. And I didn't ask, I just kind of laughed. So I wanted to know, have you always been like that? Have you always been this way? Have you always been a contrarian? Because I have found as a professional handicapper, it didn't take off until you start to buck the trends and bet underdogs, right? You're not gonna get anywhere in betting, betting heavy favorites. Sure. Okay. So I'll preface this by saying uh, professional bettors would scoff at just saying fading the public as advice. Like I understand you can't just drop your, the mic right. and say that these days, but in high school, so when I was in high school, my dad was a pilot and he would fly to Reno every week in football season. And my dad was very, very different dude, uh, awesome guy, but he would bet uh, on what he'd pick one team to bet on each year would fly there every Wednesday, place a not uh, have a nice Basque restaurant, his favorite lunch and the place a not small wager on one team. And he could not even name 10 players in the NFL. Uh, the reason I tell this story is because my buddies would, uh, there was, was a way to gamble to place a bet each week. So I quickly learned what seemed obvious uh, was not always turn out that way. And I could identify yeah. the square betters very quickly. You know, the people who weekly were like, how could this not be the right bet? So if everyone thought it was certain, it often was not. So from high school, I quit quite very intuitively learned that quite, quite well. So then I was back in 2005, I drafted Larry Johnson in fantasy football the year that Priest Holmes was going first overall, his teammate. Um, I'd love to go back and look at ADP, but my reaction, my guess is I was probably, you know, 50 spots above ADP or something. And, you know, Priest Holmes did get hurt as I hoped. And Larry Johnson went on with the next, you know, first pick next year. So yeah. I guess thinking back a bit, I've been fairly good. Baseball, I was doing the extreme pitching strategy before I brought it into NFBC, which by the way, I'm not having as successful of the year this year, but I've, I've done that in the past. Uh, so yeah, I think I've always been contrarian, not, not setting out to be Right, uh, but I guess just kind of naturally, and especially when these overall contests, I I, I really think it it makes sense to be to be extra contrarian in, in that aspect. But I guess my answer is uh, I have been, but never really set out to be, or never really even thought about it until you 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 kind of made me think about it for this exercise. Yeah, I, I I hadn't either until I really had to take a long look in the mirror, Dalton, and I think I realized that my thoughts weren't my own. I, I was trying to fit into like a column that would be judged well, like would be judged, you know, with praise if it succeeded. Like, oh, this, I won. And having people say, oh, that was the right way to do it when the win is the right way, right? What the green money, the paper greenbacks is is the proof, not the approval of the people that you really don't want to be agreeing with. And we see football, I mean, yeah, it's very easy. People that are laying minus 450 for money line wins, just pure insanity to me that is pure insanity i understand football lines are going to be more disparate than 
baseball lines on any given night. I do understand it, but that also means that doesn't mean you you shouldn't have parameters where I just can't see a minus four hundred bet ever being part of a successful plan. One more thing like I'll it. add about me being about me being contrarian. I, I feel like this is a perfect example of it. Is in fantasy pros you get graded for your weekly rankings in football. And for the past five years, ask Rudy Gamble because he does he grades them differently. I um, am just very different than the expert consensus ranking. Uh, like put differently, last year I think I finished top ten four or five times, but probably bottom you know twenty five the uh, uh, four or five times too. Where I, I'm very different than the the average great the graders too often they all are very similar you know a few spots here and there i am very different my weekly rankings are very very contrarian compared to the community uh and sometimes they get punished for it you know so and i'll do my my seasonal rankings too uh fantasy pros i finished first and i will finish low too you know i mean it'll go it goes both ways so i will say as a ranker in this industry i i would have to say i'm pretty contrarian well, we know that, and we appreciate that about you, man. Now, listen, any, this is not a knock on you, of course, because it goes for anyone. It's a blanket statement. No one should be tailing anyone blind. However, like I mentioned before, smart people doing things differently. Before you laugh, ask. Your work, Dalton, at the very least, should have people asking why. Why? And why do you have Mike Williams over Keenan Allen? Now, some people might laugh. But the person that asks why is going to see the degradation in route, this uh, depth, and a lot of things kind of fall off. Palmer, like you mentioned. And again, just the uh, maybe I'm a bit of an ageist in football, especially up in the front, like five or six rounds. I feel like you win football, fantasy football, with the big payoffs. And a lot of times the older players are more floor players than they're going to be ceiling players. Again, not that you have to shoot the moon, but there is a difference between Keenan Allen and Mike Williams as far as trajectory of career arc and i think physical talent at this point you know and then again i try not to talk about predicting injuries that's always gonna get in trouble but what we kind of talk about is being contrarian now from a macro point of view this is something i've experienced even having taken off from football for a couple of years to work on my algorithm now i'm back in business i remember when i first started playing it was running back running back running back running it was just right across the board you did not see a wide receiver go until the until they had to until they absolutely had to and I remember I was not the first in the nation, but I was the first in my group to the point where I was being laughed at because our draft picks would come out. We'd be allowed to trade draft picks and I would always trade back for Calvin Johnson. And I had Megatron in the first round. I used to, if he was going like eight or nine, like I said, I would make sure I traded up to five or six where it would still be unfathomable to take a wide receiver. I would take wide receivers the first two or three rounds and win leagues, like sweep the board, run the table because at the time people were just not hit to that. There were enough running backs later on to kind of float that. Here's my issue. That was a contrarian move. Now everybody kind of caught up to that while simultaneously we've had a few, a few macro shifts in the game. I think these are objective. More passing, softer officiating has led to more robust target trees. More passing, while at the same time we've had more running backs with committee. I'm, I'm I, you can't get me to take a wide receiver early anymore now as Dalton everybody does this in all these best ball tournaments forcing wide receivers up 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 while the demand the supply I'm sorry I should say supply of 23 touch running backs has not changed if anything it's it's going down because they're only going to get hurt talk to me about your process here where were you into that so again like you know if that was a sine wave I was opposing that the whole way because now I'm again drafted running backs early. I want at least two running backs in the first three rounds. Talk about the early WRRB strategy. 
Keenan Allen's yards per out run dropped every season since 2017, <laughs> by the way. Um, so I've been too stubborn in the past drafting running backs, and it was just wrong. You, you, can't, you can't delve into that, that dead zone as early as round three and four. Um, that, it's called that for a reason, man. It really is. So I, 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 while acknowledging that you don't need to, you can win anyway, and zero RB is a lot of merit still even, and I love Justin Jefferson, have him number three on my board behind only CMC and Taylor. But here, here's my thought process. I want one, if not ideally two, of these seven running backs uh, Jonathan Taylor, CMC, Dalvin Cook, Saquon Barkley, DeAndre Swift, Alvin Kamara, or Aaron Jones. You'll notice the theme. They all receive. So I want one of those two, two of those seven running backs. I'm avoiding uh, Derrick Henry. Um, and, and yeah, so, so yes, I do want running old school running back early. Yeah. Love to have two of those in the first two rounds. And then I'll, you know, attack the wide receivers from there. Okay. Let me, let me ask you, cause we're, we're simpatico here. I have found it's difficult to get those players, I tend to be at the back end of drafts. I don't know. I'm just always been a wheel guy. But anyway, all those players are gone by the third. I have now me. I've added Travis Etienne into that again. I'm not expecting this full 80% workload. Like I think that's misplaced. I think the people looking for that from Etienne, I think, is misplaced. I do think I'm in line for even if I'm on the short end of a 45-55, I feel like Etienne is in line for all of the stuff that matters inside the 20. All of the passing down work, all of the two-minute work, all of the work when they're down, which newsflash, as much as people are talking about a, a forward progression in the Jacksonville offense, something, again, I had in all my notes. Dude, I think my most my most common note for Jacksonville last year was don't blame Trevor Lawrence for this one. It takes a lot for a pass to get completed. People don't realize that. The whole line has to come off at the same time. There needs to be protection. You need separation. You need a read with blocking and then a completed pass that a pass catcher has to bring in. It's like seven or eight things we take for granted with good football teams. Jacksonville was so bad. They made those eight things that the Patriots do. Dup, 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 dup. Even when a young quarterback look easy. Theirs was dup, dup. you heard the, the, the machine is grinding. You're not going to work that way. I remember there was one play in particular where he rolled out. He felt the pressure. He stepped into it. He threw a laser beam to David Austin. And the guy just dropped it flat outright. Should have been a 75-yard touchdown. We were celebrating the breaking out party of Trevor Lawrence. But no, you need other people to do it. So again, there's always a lot more kind of context and stuff that goes into it. I have added ETN, like I said. After that, I'm starting to get really nervous, man, because I'm with you. I want pass catchers. I can almost take you down my running back board. I do the Casey Chiza Hall of Fame baseball player where I just amputate like three quarters of the player pool before I even start. Because to me, these guys are not viable PPR backs. So we have all the guys you mentioned. I like ETN. Then after that, man, I don't know. I'm finding I get a ton of Chase Edmonds. I'm finding I get a bunch of James Cook. And then after that, I find – Ooh, I wish I drafted my running backs earlier, getting maybe like Michael Carter. I think he has a pop to catch some balls later on. But that that cupboard is pretty bare. And in a room, if a player like yourself and a player like myself are both looking for two of those guys, there isn't enough to go around. I think that's going to separate us from the pack. Dalton, you, you mentioned loving your running back. Before we move forward, I have to ask, particularly to this is redraft. I guess we could go best ball. I guess it makes more sense to redraft. Best ball, I don't get it. We can tackle it later. Because I was going to say, I don't want to get out of the box with guys that I don't think are viable as starters. I guess you could address that for redraft. Could you walk, go into a redraft week one with, let's say, even Tony Pollard and A.J. Dillon, right? Two of the most popular backups. Do you feel like you're going to get enough production week one from those two specific guys, for example? 
Um, I mean, you wouldn't love it week one, but you hopefully load it up with a lot of those Khalil Herbert, Damian Pierce, upside Pacheco, uh, upside guys as well. And you, you know, you do with volume there and you hope one of them pops eventually, but, um, yeah, it's a viable. Yeah. I mean, Dylan is going to get enough volume and maybe even Pollard in the slot. There's just no one else there. So those two in particular, I actually would feel, feel okay with, uh, yeah. um, yeah. Okay. So couple things um you're right about that uh, you're going to be in some drafts where all those those the seven players i mentioned are going to be gone at the end of the second round um aaron jones fell to me in one uh rotowire online championship last night in the third pick in the second round but camara had been the guy he'd been a discount yeah. because worried about the suspension rightfully so at the time but yeah. that's come and gone and now he's probably gonna end up more at the back end i will talk specifically about etn because i agree with you and have him ranked 15th very aggressively and end up with him in the third fourth round he's that quote-unquote dead zone guy i've been I've been willing yeah. to take the leap on. Um, and he certainly passed the eye test just watching him the other day in the, in the preseason. And um, James Robinson's recovering from that, that Achilles. Is, I don't think he's going to be totally right, maybe even the whole season. Uh, having said that, there was an interesting uh, uh, tweets today from college people that I respect more than me. I'm not a college guy. And they're saying that basically ETN is not a natural ca- pass catcher. And he was force fed the ball there a lot. And he fights it. And you can see it here. And don't look at his production as a receiver and think that he's that has how he's going to translate in the NFL level so that actually really has me very questioning this so it's an interesting uh, kind of curveball to throw with ETN because otherwise I'm totally with you Lawrence who got his college quarterback big coaching upgrade just because of addition by subtraction um so yeah so I'm with you on ETN but that is just something to just to, to, to pay attention it may not matter maybe they'll force Stephen the ball all the same well, I'm getting laughing because, like, here you just sunk my battleship with subjective analysis, right? That's what we're, exactly what we were talking about. I can't double check that. I don't. I don't have the means. I don't have the skill to do that, nor the arrogance to think I could compete with that kind of stuff. What do you do? I guess maybe look for three sources and see if you could find a consensus. Uh, my impression. That's why you really threw me off because my impression was he's a fantastic I know. pass catcher in open space. That was always what I've heard. But again. I, you know, I do the same thing as you, and I do it in baseball also. I outsource my prospect work. I don't. Yeah. I think with the specialization that we see now, why bother? I'm very proud of doing my own work. I'm extremely proud of using as little bit of other people's opinions as possible. But when you have people doing full-time excellent work, don't be stubborn, right? You can get yeah. value from that. So I, I, I like to yeah, read. turn to James Anderson. Yeah, ask James Anderson. What I he do, about that but I, yeah, I was looking at Zacharias for football and um, Harmon yeah. stuff for Harmon stuff for wide receivers is probably unmatched. Sure. Again, but now think about it. And again, it's not to put down what he does. He does the best work. Like that's what I'm leading with. But what if you were to find out that like he his process is not in line with what you value, right? Right. Now he does a very good job of being open and helping you see that. But we do see grades and things that we're not a part of. Again, that's always the running theme of challenge, challenge, challenge. And that's what we're going to do right now. Let's wrap it up and piss some people off because I know I do not like a bunch of players that the Twittersphere really likes. And for as, as kind of brash and outward as I am with baseball, I'm a teacher in baseball. Like, I, I understand that. I, I have the model. I do the custom work. I'm kind of pushing the understanding. Like, I get that. Football, I'm the student. So, I'm as quiet as I can be. I'm never quiet, but I'm trying to, I'm more listening is what I mean to say in football, but I can't help but counter, right? I, that's just kind of what I do. So I put, I'm obsessed with QB play team quality. I don't expect huge leaps or project my own playing time fantasy. So I'm off in the low man on Twitter darlings. So could you talk to that just at first, just talking about, you know, the, the, the new thing, the hot new player, do you have good experiences with it? Do you like to chase him? Do you like to feed him just in general? 
Oh, any just are you, I think anyone in specific you have question? No, no, no. Just in general, I want to start macro, and then we're going to get into players themselves because I think your answer to the theory will help us people understand how you got there. Yeah, no, I, I'm not sure exactly here. I mean, I can fall for the hype as much as anyone, but um, yeah, no, I think every case by case basis here is uh, is, is okay. My, so, my what would you be there, looking yeah. for in the individualized case? Which I think the right answer sometimes. I, I've hung out with a lot of lawyers in my day, and you hear a lot of it depends, which is fine. That's the answer sometimes. What? Yeah. The, so, how would you separate wheat from chaff? I think that's always what I'm trying to get them. How do we? How does Dalton separate signal from noise? And if you want, you can even apply to somebody like if you want to work a guy like Pacheco, right? Is it probably this year's oh, hot example? Yeah. What white hot? Listen, mm. there is certainly some signal there, but I also feel like it's surrounded in noise, right? So wow. how do you how yeah. do you approach the new thing? I know some people just say you I didn't get him early. I don't want him. You can have him. So some people think if you're in early, you can continue to dollar cost average in. Some people say I'm not buying it. What, what, yeah, it's a it's a great point because I don't have a very succinct answer to you. Just like Pacheco in, in general, I'm like, man, I've I've seen enough of CEH. I think Jones, Ronald Jones, I've seen enough of too. And this is Andy Reid is seeing <laughs> uh, positive things. And uh, a, a more specific answer I will tell you is I have, I have people that I trust more that I follow on, on Twitter. It's the best source of information. I finally learned how to properly use it. Took me forever, but lists. I have lists for specific sports and and, and politics and Bitcoin and. And, and, and football and and it's very specific for football and then I have like you said prospect guys for baseball and football and I have it too and so guys that I trust more of what they care about in college um what do they have to say about Pacheco you know yeah. some people have said the horrible horrible numbers they put up others have like oh I watched a lot of college football and this was the bottom three situation of all time in Rutgers like the quarter but his teammates were an absolute joke and um so, so you got to weigh all that, and it's not an easy answer here. But yeah, I, 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 I have some people I trust weight more their opinions on things I have no clue about, and then I just take intuition myself. I mean, this is a Chiefs offense. I mean, yeah, Yahtzee. I mean, why not? I would, I could go from not ranking him to immediately putting Pacheco in my top one hundred immediately. I have no yeah. problem with that. Well, I think. You know, Tony, you have, the smartest people often do that, right? They'll tell you how they're how we, you can't answer it and then do it perfectly because you because you did. Build the argument, you know, build the argument. How many of the indicators can you check? First of all, price is number one. So it was very, the second I had a sniff of this, because the other indicators would be, is there a ceiling with the Chiefs? Absolutely. Is there an opportunity? You mentioned it. Absolutely. Have we seen anything like this happen with this team? Absolutely. So there's something there, right? Those are certainly signals. So when it was 20th round, I didn't need any more indication. I was if I'm if I end up being a donkey for chasing the new Twitter thing, then like, so be it. It's a 20 round pick. Where you got to be careful is 20 turned to 17, 17 turned to 15, 15 I've seen turned to 13. You got to also again the reason why I like to build these arguments in the first place. Something that I preach in handicapping and trading whenever I do consults. Proactive. 49,000 greater than signs reactive. If you build it first in your mind, the conditionals, the if then, if then, if then, you'll always be better off to make a better decision. And it doesn't mean that there isn't a spot for Pacheco in the 16th or 17th. I have found, again, for me, it's if then. If I got boxed out of early running backs, and if I had to sit on CEH, because that's where I think the CEH draft plan is, if you get him in like wherever he's going, if he falls, whatever, seven or eight, you pair him with Pacheco and maybe even, you know, the pass catching back there and you have a little something late where there's a pathway to win it all. And I think that's got to be at the center. But that's I know is my answer is the answer is it depends. And the only way that I can get there is 
outsource research, which you mentioned, contextual environment, which you mentioned, and then a little bit of luck, which you mentioned. So let's get into some of the names. I'll give you mine, my first pair. I guess you could tell me what you think about them if you're right or wrong. The entire world loves the Lions. Man, I watched these Lions. They're okay. I think they were undersung. I think they beefed up the offensive line, which is huge. I think Jared Goff is not very good. I think they've retooled the offensive plan, which is good. You know what my fear is? The Lions are actually going to be a competitive team. What does that mean to me, Mr. Del Dog? That DeAndre Swift, there's a chance he has a floor here of just being a really, really productive asset on a team that doesn't need him used in the way that we'd like him to be. So I guess you could speak to Swift in general, specifically, but then even more in general, like, Right, there's another deeper conversation there about bucking the system. DeAndre Swift is extremely popular. A lot of people do not want to hear that from me. So go go ahead on Swift. I also had Brown on this list also. I think the more research I've done with Brown, I think they're going to create opportunities for him. I don't know if Goff has the skill set to give him the layups he needs. I think the volume will be there, but you're paying for it. Again, makes it hard for me to smash any lines. Talk about the lines. I'm in on Swift, my number five ranked uh, back. Just love the receiving ability. I think he's going to try to fight through playing through banged up injuries this year. Great offensive line. Um, I get Jamal Williams is still there, and it's uh, you know it's the Lions and Jared Goff. But before his injury on Thanksgiving, DeAndre Swift led all running backs in targets and catches. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's really interesting because they both relied on the other not being available. Amon Ra St. Brown averaged only 4.7 targets when Swift was healthy and then it jumped to 11.2 targets and a 32% target share of the final six weeks when Hawkinson and Swift were sidelined. Um, one nice thing is Jamison Williams probably isn't going to be ready to play this year, so maybe that doesn't you – know, DJ Shark is there now as well. But I'm actually – on both guys, I, I rent St. Brown and Swift aggressively. Um, man, you can't fake a 32% target share over six yeah. weeks. I mean, that is just that is a significant uh, number there. So um, I, I actually kind of like both, but you know, you are backing the Lions. It often doesn't end well, and Swift does have injury history. And the when they changed play callers over the final six weeks, his receiving production did drop, but he was battling that shoulder injury. At least that's my excuse for it. So I'm in on Swift and St. And I'm on Ross, so I'm glad we don't we don't agree on everything here. I ju- yeah, to me, it's an, it's not that I'm disagreeing because I think all the things you said are rooted in research, and you're correct. My problem again is this: proje- we are projecting a different usage than they've shown us. I actually see again. I'm bucking the trend here. People are saying beefed up offensive line. I I think it's bad for DeAndre Swift. I think the beefed up offensive line puts Williams in his position to succeed more again i'm looking at um the the game log right at the bat week one last week williams had 17 touches you know that's not nothing nine and eight first of all it's a ton of grabs and i know people don't want to see that then it was 10 14 14 15 12 he got hurt came back right to 18 he had actually 20 touches against the bears he had 18 touches against minnesota he had 19 carries against atlanta my point is he's jamal williams is not an afterthought and from the little bit we saw on Hard Knocks, he is like the spiritual center point, the lowed star of this team. So he's so, not going anywhere. 
I thought I was going to roll my eyes at Dan Campbell, the break in the kneecaps, he even used the word grit. But, dude, I'd run through a wall for that guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Awesome. I love yeah, that awesome. man. Yeah, I absolutely awesome. love it. And, and there's another thing afterward that he, he got – some guy wanted Hawkinson's numbers, and he made sure to give a fan Hawkinson's number. And I told that guy, don't cut your hair. You know, we're talking about be yourself. Uh, man, I love Dan Campbell, too. I, so so I, I actually, the Lions, um, they knocked me out. I was a, one of 23 people left in a $6 million survivor pool last year. Oh. Um, and the Lions – we I had the the – me and Chris Liss had the Cardinals as 15 and a half point favorites. And uh, one of 23 people left with 6 million. And uh, the Lions knocked us out, killed them oh. to boat race. And it wasn't even close, 15 and a half point dogs. And they blew out the, blew them out. So I'll always have a sore spot for, uh, for the Lions, but really it should be more the Cardinals. But anyway, I think what, I like what they're doing. I like <laughs> I Campbell. I like well. the. So, so um, we'll see. I'm buying. I know what, what could go wrong buying Dan Campbell and the Lions. But you know, it's funny though. It's a, uh, uh, I should be contrarian in the opposite of that. The two most uh, bet, heavily bet uh, things in the offseason were Dan Campbell to win coach of the year and DeAndre yeah. Swift to win the rushing title, which I don't think that is. That's not I, I bet on Barkley to win the rushing title at 50 to 1. Um, oh. And they, they, Westgate limited me. Yeah, they, no they, surprise. They limited 50 me. To, 50 yeah. to 1. Holy cow. Talking about Snake Man. I was, I was slow to the NFL futures this year because, again, I could be stubborn because I think I know everything. And I just I, – I have a futures plan that no one likes because, I'm again, I'm the opposite of everybody. Here's my favorite contrarian play. Dalton, I talk up all these players. I let everybody push up these props. And then the afternoon of opening kickoff, I hit the under on all the running backs. I, I smash – I put together a basket, a weighted basket of unders. I smash the entire thing, and you just can't go wrong because – forget – missing goals there's injuries you're just gonna get padded you know you always gonna now granted you have to lock up some money so i try to make it a big bet so it's worth hold put it on the shelf but again uh, people love oh yeah I, pre I prefer long shots when you're gonna tie your money up for six and a half months as yeah. opposed to an over under given you know juice i mean no i, yeah, like, I people, like long shots yeah you're absolutely right well that, that is a good betting lesson for everybody i you know people ask me about win totals when the answer to your win total bet is don't do that there's no reason to lock up minus 110 for six months that's absolutely ridiculous i could go make you that money today in an hour you know what i mean like we could literally hop on a derivatives market tomorrow call me three o'clock in the morning we can make that money before everyone wakes up and then go bet you know what i mean so like really think about that what the opportunity cost especially if you wanted to get into like inflation and stuff like that it's just not worth it the opportunity cost of hanging your money for a minus 110 is not worth it. So whatever, there's a little contrarian. All right, next contrarian pair that I don't like that everyone does. Like, although I guess, you know, it's funny. I'm, I'm starting to warm up on these receiver pairs because I'm pushing running backs up and then I, I have to go with them. So it's the Jets. It was a uh, Brees Hall and Elijah Moore. So again, I think I'm with Elijah Moore. The talent's through the roof. I worry about the quarterback play. Now Wilson's kind of down. I don't know if it even matters. The world loves Brees Hall. My beef is this. We just, and I said this to Andy at the Flex Draft, we just heard this song last year. Uh, Nelson Souza, I was with FDN at the time, with him, he is ridiculously sharp dude. But he'll, I know it for a fact, because me and him were bragging on our Michael Carter shares. Well, yeah, he's a very talented pass catcher. He did a little bit of work. But that skill set is not gone. So talk to me about the Jets running back situation. If, because here's an if then, if you think Brees Hall is worth of his pick, then you think Michael Carter is not going to be used in the passing game. Yeah, I've been totally ignoring Carter. I've been going after Hall. It might be a mistake. He's been available in fourth and fifth rounds. And he just says that profile of, uh, you know, the next Jonathan Taylor. Um, yeah. But you're, 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 you're counting on rational coaching, and that's not always right. And Carter was the starter of the first preseason game. They lost Beckton. They did sign Dwayne Brown. 
Um, it could be a disaster situation in the Jets in a, in, a, in, a back, in a backfield committee. So I totally get that Hall definitely had some red flags there, but yeah. could also be a special talent where he's available compared to the other running backs going them in fantasy drafts. Elijah Moore, now talk about a guy I buy the hype as far as both last, last preseason and this summer. I, I just am fully in belief he could be one of the best receivers immediately, but I'm so worried about Zach Wilson. I mean, I, I'm not talking about the injury. Um, do you realize last year Elijah Moore was the wide receiver four without Zach Wilson and was the wide receiver 84 when he played with Zach Wilson? I mean, it is this the biggest splits ever? I mean, he was horrible yeah. for their fantasy values. So, I mean, I'm Dusty Joe Flacco may not be great, but Magic Mike White <laughs> is right there. I think he'll, he'll step in. So, I I I actually like Elijah Elijah Moore and and Brees Hall. So, I got to dispute you here, but it's probably again betting on the Jets and Zach Wilson what could go wrong. I'm really down on Zach Wilson. I thought I mean, I, I have all the questions he had when he I was as a Niner fan of the third pick. I was holding my fingers, please don't have him fall to 3. Um and I hope yeah. he gets healthy and I hope I'm wrong. And, and everyone loves Zach Wilson for obvious reasons, but I, I am not Tim Andercust. I very much am worried about Zach Wilson's future. How, how, about, how about Wilson? How about Wilson, right? If you have worry about Zach Wilson, can he support Garrett and Elijah no, Moore? Oh, no, yeah, no. Garrett Wilson have like 10 rookie receivers ahead of him, maybe even more. I mean, there's so many interesting rookie receivers with, with, uh, with, with opportunities. Wendell Robinson right away. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, so no, I, no one else in the Jets at all, at all, at all. But Brees Hall and, and Elijah Moore, is that's been my fan. All right. My, my last one is the one that makes people the most upset, and it's my simplest of all analyses. I just don't think Trey – I don't know. People are marrying Trey Lance. Is this – you know, it's an automatic superstar. Again, we've heard this song and dance before. The NFL is very hard. The speed is unmatched. We see these things go poorly. He also has a ton – a ton. It's not just a ton of mouths to feed. It's a ton of unique mouths, right? The 49ers run a kind of strange offensively, a lot of gadgety kind of running plays. So to me, I'm out. Like, I'm just out because I, Debo is too expensive. I think the supplanting of targets for carries hurts you. Not only does it raise injury risk, but it makes me worry that he's not that cemented in the passing plan we know there's a natural connection right now from what we're hearing with with Ayuk. But now it's we just put Lance in this QB1 situation. He's being drafted as such, which now not only not only is he a QB1 because he's going to run everywhere, he's also going to support George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. He's going to support a running quarterback as a rookie. He's going to support all three of these guys. You know what I think is more likely? He falls flat on his face. I'm not saying that I think that's what's going to happen. But where Trey Lance is going, I am fully, fully out. I, the pathway to rookies bottoming out is way greater than I think we like to admit. The whole world loves him. And again, I don't mean to, I'm, I don't think he's going to zero out. But I do think you're going to get some frustrating games. How about the, maybe I'm thinking along the lines of like a Daniel Jones? I think the ecosystem is Scott, your boy Scott uh, Pianowski would put it. I think his analysis is very astute. But I think that analogy is fantastic. Maybe there's a lot of similarities there. Super high ceiling, all the prospects shine. What could go wrong? We even saw him perform in an NFL game. I don't know. Talk to you about Trey Lance. Am I going to get dunked on? Well, you're talking to someone who has, you know, commissioned Trey Lance art over my right shoulder behind me here. So I'm a, a slight homer here, but you might want to take this with, you know, realize that there's some homerism going on here. But I also placed a 50 to 1 Trey Lance to win MVP vet bet when I was in Vegas. Wait, wait, MVP could, or rookie of the year? To win it. Well, he's not a rookie now. He sat all last year. He's not a rookie. Oh, that's right. MVP. Yes, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, he's, he's right. had all kinds of experience right. last year. 
So yeah, not it's not not like baseball. So uh, yeah, I think it's stupid. That's stupid. So they would not uh, limit me, but I will argue in my defense it was a different casino. They didn't limit me like but Barkley let me bet as much as I wanted on the fifty to one long shot Lance. But here's my here's my counter. So um, the last time a player, you know, Patrick Mahomes sat behind Alex Smith, and the very next year his first year starting, he won MVP. So it can only stand to reason it's going to happen again here. But in seriousness, man, this guy's taken over an offense that had well, first of all, it led the NFC in yards per play last year, had a ten point lead in the fourth quarter of the NFC Championship game with a very shaky quarterback. Uh, now, I mean, Nick Mullins has the second most passing yards in NFL history over his first sixteen starts. Uh, the Niners have led in yards after the catch in five of the last six years. His weapons will be Debo, IU, Kittle, and he's the fastest quarterback in the league too. So I get it. He only has three starts since 2019, the seventh youngest starter in NFL history, but he's taking over this terrific situation. He yeah. sat and he learned all last year. This is a quarterback award. The Niners should be among the one of the best records in the NFL. By the way, they have nine home games this year, only seven road games because one neutral. Um, that division is, I mean, is, is fate. I mean, the Ramsey, I mean, there's some regression there. Obviously, yeah. Russell Wilson's gone. And, yeah. and who knows about Kingsbury there. So I love the situation here for, 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 for Trey Lance. Fantasy is my QB5. I'm a believer. Absolutely, there's a big unknown here. And I worry he could get hurt. I mean, he broke his finger last year and sprained his knee in limited action, and he's going to run a lot. So that is an absolute. My big concern is his health, not his performance, man. I'm a, I'm a believer in him. I, I just can't wait to see what he does. For fantasy, the other ancillary effect, I have, I'm have. i a big believer in Ayuk. I have him. You wanted a bold take. I was going to say, I think Ayuk's going to definitely have more fantasy value than than, than Debo this year. That's and uh, I, I have Kittle, my tight end six, behind the big five. And Debo more like wide receiver 15, not a top 10. I mean, Debo didn't rate top 50 in routes run or top 25 in targets last year. And he's getting drafted as a borderline top five fantasy wideout with a new quarterback. I mean, that's insane. So I, I like Ayuk and, and, and Lance for fantasy, but I do think Debo and Kittle are absolutely getting overdrafted because Lance is going to get a lot of his production on the ground. Well, you know what I'm looking at now while you were making all those excellent points? I was kind of just matching up the game logs from last year. And, yeah, the wideouts, he fully, he did support both wideouts. Kittle did not play well. I, I shouldn't say he didn't play well. He was not focused in that. Again, they, that may be corrected. That's also one of my issues with Kittle, as great as he is. He's like this. He has such monster spike weeks, right? He's very he's very dynamic in his production. Hurt. George Brittle. George him. Brittle, man. George Brittle. He's always hurt. He played all last year with a cap injury. He suffered week one. So even when he's on the field, he's never 100%. I love him. He's the best real-life NFL tight end because if you factor in blocking. But fantasy, the opportunities are not there, and he's always banged up. He had, he had that two-week stretch last year. They're like, all right, you know, this guy literally is, might be a superhero. It was just unbelievable, right? That two-week stretch was Cincinnati Cincinnati, and, and, and Seattle. It was Seattle at Seattle and at Cincinnati combined. He went 9-181-2 and then 13-151-1. Just completely bananas. So I guess when they expose a matchup that he's, you know, he can't be covered, they'll do that. Again, my, my worry is just how many of these battles can Lance feed. And more than anything, it's the price. More than anything, it's the price. It really should have really led with that because it's similar to what I was saying with Pacheco. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a sick Pacheco stand in the 20th round. I don't want him at all in the 14th round, right? You need to be able to separate and compartmentalize our attachment. And I think that's one of the big problems in, in fantasy sports is we everyone wants these kind of binary things. Pacheco, good. Devontae Parker, good. But you have all these other kind of – pieces moving at the same time we're all building this puzzle and we're building it against each other 
All right, so I, I yeah, the, the Niners running back room, by the way, is 10 times healthier and deeper than last year. And Debo has an injury history. Uh, Debo to me is the is the craziest ADP of all. And I'm a Niners guy. It, it is yeah. absolutely wild to draft that guy as a borderline top five fantasy wideout when he's going to be out targeted by his own teammate. Yeah, I, and I he's not going to get rushing attempts either. I mean, it's it's bizarre to me. I, I love Debo. Him. And you know, it's funny, even with you saying that, and this is again part of the nuance of applying to the game is. And the bit they use him, he'll still probably be incredible. But that's what happens. Fantasy players, we project our fantasies onto these teams. Yes, you want Debo to get 15 carries on the ground. You want him to get nine carries, It's uh, nine targets. It's not happening. You're lucky if one of those happens because I feel like they're just going to be a very script-dependent team. Like you're saying, they're going to be looking to protect Lance up to a certain point, I think, meaning – He's going to be running, he's going to be scrambling, he's going to be throwing short, and then looking to take the top off with Ayuk. The thing with me is what game determines what. I don't know if we're going to get the consistency. I think that's really what I bet. So that was really, really awesome. You have a a hot take for us. I know your hot take was the Allen over Williams. I think that is a really bold take that I fully endorse. You have another one you want to start some trouble? We'll do five minutes of best ball before we get out of here. Yeah, uh, Trey Lance, top five fantasy QB, not hot enough. Let's say Gabe Davis and Allen Robinson are both top 15 fantasy wideouts. Gabe Davis, Allen Robinson, both wide receiver twos on their own team right now. I'm going to say they both finish as top 15 fantasy wideouts. I I could not agree more with Allen Robinson. You know, I maybe I'm just because I've been an A-Rob guy, and I've done really well with him, all things considered, right? He's, he seems to supersede the broken ecosystem, right? He's at the end of Biodome when Paulie Shores, you know, uh, partying in the pool there. And I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Talk about an ideal spot for him. With I'm not sure if it was you or Andy who mentioned it, but again, we, we don't want or wish injuries at all. There's a pathway if Cooper Cup goes down for, you know, A-Rob is like alpha A number one, you know, easy, the top guy in DraftKings every single week, which is, I know it's oversimplified, but sometimes it's a good way to look at things, how the and, daily projections will play out. And I would argue the same for Gabe Davis. Stephon Diggs never played a full season in the NFL first five years in the league before he came to Buffalo. Yeah, see, that that's the pathway that, again, I'm not, you're not wrong. You are right. I have been... I've had trouble meeting that with the price. It just seems like it's your fault. <laughs> it's your fault I don't have Gabe Davis because somebody just always seems to love him more than I do. So it's not like I don't like Davis. And there is – you cannot say enough good things. You mentioned the uh, way that the Buffalo Bills pass just in general and then more so in the end zone, Gabe Davis, one of the favorite red zone targets. So. I, I know you were always saying I've he's got a lot of pushback on Gabe, and I get it. He's the most polarizing guy. He doesn't have more yeah. than 35 catches in a season, and he got a lot of his stats in that one huge postseason yeah. game. But I'm a I'm on the side of bullish. Yeah, I, I don't There's blame you. I think I think the potential is there. I think with Sanders going, I think there is pretty much a, a clear and defined role for him. So I do see the ceiling. I have been, just been trouble getting with the price because it seems to keep on clicking up. And, and I get it, right? You can't get access to digs if you don't have a first-round pick that you're using on them. And if you want exposure to the passing game, Knox to me isn't really sexy enough. The volume isn't there. So I do see the Davis thing. I'm not there. It is a hot take, but one that we could obviously see getting in. All right, so really quick, let's do best ball because people are really into that stuff. I'm just drafting around the clock. I just don't stop. I just don't stop drafting. You show me a best ball app that has a notification bell and you have a customer, man, as long as I don't have to worry about losing these drafts because it happens all the time. So what do I got here? Okay. Do you go with the different formats differently? 
overall not you actually mentioned that before so i guess we could skip that the thing that i want to get into this is the important one before we get out of here and the way it applies to running back and wide receivers is just thinking of scarcity in terms of bands and knowing that once that band snaps and that tier happens you need more to replace that spot okay so intuitively that makes sense but let's quantify it a bit for people in a best ball you have 18 or 20 slots depending on the provider quarterbacks you can't have four so three is basically your max one would be your win min and i think one is a mistake because you have bye weeks and possible injuries so now default you're at two and i think max you're at three how do we how do we capitalize and to me the answer is if you get the top quarterback then you only need the two slots instead of the three the same to be said for tight ends meaning if you give me josh allen I only need to get Mac Jones to pair him with. If I have Kyle Pitts, I only have to get Albert O. These are guys that I'd like to pair it with. You know, guys that you can feel confident in to finish as a one, a back-end one any given week, that pair with your elite player. The flip side of that, Dalton, is if you start bumping back to your quarterback as a pocket passer, I think you need three. If your tight end is not in the top three, guys like Andrews, Pitts, or Kelsey that separate themselves as far as usage and production, you need the third guy. So in a game of very finite real estate, I don't feel like there's enough stress on maximizing those spaces. I see these people very proudly post three quarterback, three tight end teams that are also zero running back. You can probably see where I'm going. Early week zeros and wasted roster space. So I just you could just talk to me about real estate and best ball because I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, typically I'm two and one and three and the other quarterback and tight end and uh, but mainly for quarterback, my whole plan has been Jalen Hurts and Trey Lance and, and maybe uh back to back round seven and eight in, in many leagues. Oh, too. interesting. So I, I I've been all about either of those and now Lance is creeping higher and higher and I've been losing Lance by choosing Hurts yeah. over him and I've been uh, and debating there. You but have to do love, that though. Love if both Lance passes Hurts, I think that's a mistake. I'm sorry, go ahead. I love Hurts. Absolutely love yeah. him. Uh, he's my number two fantasy QB. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, mean, with I love Brown, that. I, yeah, I love that you and, have no problem with that. That's awesome. Yeah. And then and Daniel Jones is my guy late. I love it. He runs. Yeah. Dable there now. Uh, Robinson and Tony. I mean, Barkley healthy. I mean, what's not to like there? He's sneaky yeah. with his running ability, too. And he throws a, a decent deep ball that people don't realize. So I like Jones as a, as a late guy. I have him as my 15th fantasy QB, and he goes, you know, the last couple rounds, or, or depending on format, obviously. But I don't play a ton of best, best ball. I'm more of the higher stakes uh nffc that there's some best ball there too but i couldn't tell you the week seven or week 18 week 17 matchups you know I, well, i'm not i'm not a huge 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 best ball guy um i'm more of these overall contest uh, type higher higher buy-ins than the, than the smaller ones which i get it i mean i love i mean don't get me wrong personally i think i mean yahoo i'm, I'm going to be pushing for us to 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 get into the best ball game moving forward i mean it's a it's it's football never sleeps i mean it's a year-round thing i mean it's great i mean who i mean i i enjoyed doing some drafts and now looking back you know, what he did before summer, so different. And you could watch the ADP change live throughout summer. It's really, really, you know, it's, it's helpful to follow along. I'm surprised you're not, saving. I'm just surprised you're not a big player because I, I kind of projected, <laughs> I'm sorry, I projected my own degeneracy on you. I just, I did. Part, part of that, part of that is who I work for. I, I, I'm not allowed to, to do Oh, okay, good. All right. So that's my answer. Because I was going to say, your, your style is, is very much conducive to that format. Yeah, um, I know. Yeah, should, yeah. And again, I really, I, I'm so glad that you understand where I'm coming from. It's like, you know, it's not all shoot the moon. 
But when you're presented with a fork, you got to be thinking, especially in terms of, see, I think the most important thing is real estate, those roster spaces, because they're so finite. I think the other most important thing, not oft mentioned, is the duplication in these lineups. Yeah. I just can't believe people are out there posting first three rounds of a fantasy football draft. Like, do you not realize there are 50,000 permutations of that exact draft? And that's not – so what does that mean? That's not how you win, okay? You can basically set auto for the first three rounds as long as you get rid of Debo for me, right? As long as you take out Debo and then I'm pass catching, guys, you'll, 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 you'll be fine. But, yeah, I have noticed that. If you go, like, if you think of it in tiers, if you have an, an A-tier quarterback, you don't need a third slot. Right. If you have an A-tier tight end, you don't need a third slot. So I actually – Totally. I'm makes hoping, sense. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because if you like, lose those guys, you're not going to win the overall anyway. You know what I mean? I mean – Ding, 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 ding. ding. Yeah. More smart stuff from Dalton. And I actually had Elliot Christ on last year, and he said something really cool that stuck with me. It was He was quoting the Colts coach at the time. He said, we don't plan for Peyton getting injured. And that really resonated with me because it's the truth. You, you, there's another conversation with handcuffs. We'll have to do it all the time. But the idea being, I feel like that's actually making my builds unique. I don't see a lot of those going. Um, man, I've gone like to have Barkley and Jones. Let's say you go Jones, Barkley, Allen, Pitts. So you have an, uh, you have. Two hardcore pass-catching top-end running backs that could finish as the RB1. You have a legitimate contender for the tight end one. You have a legitimate contender for the QB one. While everyone else now has to fight all those over the scarce, the objectively scarce commodities are scoffed at a touch. And it's funny. I feel like I've been unique by being conservative almost, which is kind of strange. Because I'm, from fantasy baseball, we have there's a lot of conservative approaches, right? Floor, floor, boring old, boring old. This you don't really want that in the beginning, but whatever. This is really Man, awesome. No, you get Allen and Pitts, and then just load, just get back up one, one, you know, two at each position, and load up on backs and receivers. I like that. You nailed it. If you if they fail, so have you. But but further than that, if they fail, all the other Josh Allen teams fail. All the other Kyle Pitts team failed. So th these are not these are non-zero you know gains right here. Right? These are, this is where you want to be, pushing all the elite guys up to the front, and let everyone else kind of fight over situational scraps because the the kick the season kicks off and the clock is ticking. And while you're and again not you but while people are waiting for like Tony Pollard to get 25 touches a game, Aaron Jones is there doing work every week. You know where Pollard we just have to recognize that there's a situation where. Again, just like Swift, you know, what if the Lions are up the game and they're looking to smash? You know, Jamal Williams ends up again. I'm not. This is everything we've seen with the 20 carries we've seen, 19 rushes we've seen, and they just, you know, limit these guys not because they're bad, because the game script said so. Dom, that was just excellent, man. You're you're my you're my favorite. I love you, man. All right, so that was really love really you cool. too, John. That was fun, man. Thanks for, <laughs> promote, for having me promote on. Appreciate stuff, you. Promote your stuff one last time in a way out because I don't I don't think I could do it properly. Yeah, just follow me on Twitter at Dalton Dildon, and I just uh, uh, link to any column or podcast I got up there. But yeah, man, I had a great time talking to you. Thanks for having me, John. Yeah, that was just tell, excellent. tell Pat I said what's up. Tell Pat. Yeah. Oh, everybody, everybody, stop right now and make sure you tag Pat Mayo on social media. He loves nothing more, especially in the middle of the night. Tag mm -hmm. him. You know, he loves that stuff. But all kidding aside, thank you, Pat Mayo. Make sure, everybody, that you download the Jock Market app. That's no, that's no joke. I have shifted away from a lot of the other more conventional 
football platforms to plead this because I, it works in line with my trading strategies and us trying to maximize percentage points. Everybody rate, review, and subscribe to the audio-only pod. Check out the fancy football picks and bets stuff on YouTube. I'm going to be bringing it every week, and you could go back. I love that these football shows have some, you know, they stay on the vine. I had Chris Meany in the house. I had Ian Harditz in the house, and then I reviewed that flex draft and said something very nice about everybody before ripping their teams to shred. All right, that will do it. From the big dude with the big mouth from the big apple. Thank you, everybody, for tuning into Cork Stats. Enjoy your week, and we'll see you soon. Peace.